0: The Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your th- holy throne this morning as your people. Lord, to worship you and glorify your name. Worship and glorify the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who saved us from our sins. Perfectly saved us. After he made completion of the purification of sins, we are told by the writer of Hebrews that he sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. And so, Lord, we pray that you impress this truth of the gospel on the hearts of your people, lest they drift away because they have a tendency to drift away from the truth. And, Lord, we just ask for your blessing again of understanding, of exhortation from the words that you have given us. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 verses 36 to 45. John 6, 36 to 45. And this is the word of the Lord. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me. That of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Verse 41. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? Whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. That's the word of the Lord. Our title, it's going to be a long title. It's a whole (laughs) verse. No one can come to the Son unless the Father draws them. No one can come to the son unless the father draws them and we have much to say a lot of things to say and praise the lord that we have a lot of things to say the blessed apostle paul in 1 corinthians 9:15 said for if i preach the gospel i have nothing to boast of For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, war is me if I do not preach the gospel. There's but one gospel. There's but one gospel that saves. And it is Christ and him crucified. And anybody who claims to know Christ has to know this gospel. For God and Christ cannot be known outside knowing and believing this gospel. And this gospel that we preach, that we teach and believe is the gospel of God. About his work in and by his son, Jesus Christ. This work is the work of the revelation of God in his Son as he exalts the Son in the salvation of his people. And this revelation happens at its best not at the Mount of Transfiguration but on the cross. On the cross we see the beauty the power, the majesty, the love, the grace, the justice, the wrath, the holiness, the righteousness of God revealed. It is on the same cross that God was propitiated and satisfied of his justice and wrath that was due You and me. And yet by the same smiting of his son, God was demonstrating his love. That's how God demonstrates his love. He punished his own son on the cross for something that he did not do. So do you want to know if God loves you? He's not going to get you a new car. When God loves you, he gives you the way Of peace with him. He kills his own son. That's God's love. And God's people. Were sanctified. Were justified. Were redeemed. And glorified. In the glorification of the son. And so to preach the cross. Is to preach God. And it is to preach Christ. And it is to preach the gospel. And that is why Apostle Paul said, I don't have any other message to preach. If I come claiming to preach the gospel, I have to preach the cross. For necessity is laid upon me. War is me if I do not preach the gospel. The father loves the son. And Brother Stan had this verse on his Facebook yesterday. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. All things. The father loves the son and he gave a people to his son. A lot of people have never heard this. And I'm saying this with even a larger audience in context. Because... A lot of people are going to be listening to this. They've never had this taught in their churches. And yet, that's the theology and teaching of Jesus Christ. The father loves the son and he gave a people to the son. And these people are loved by the father because they belong to the one whom he loves. I'll give you an example. I love the car that I bought my wife, not because of itself. Because I gave it to the one that I love. The love that God has for us is because of his love for his son. And because he loves his son with an everlasting love, He loves all those who are in his son with an everlasting love. So there's nothing that you can do to remove yourself from the love of God. So a love that loves is a love that gives. And so God has given us the church, the body of Christ. To Christ. And as I said. We are loved because of God's love for his son. And as long as God loves Christ. He continues to love those that he gave to his son. And this is why they cannot be lost. That's the only reason why you can never get lost. That's the only reason why you are not going to go to hell. Is because God loves Christ. That's the reason. Those who say God is love amazingly also believe in a God who loses those that he gave to his son. You ever heard that? That you can lose your salvation. You will of course lose your salvation if it's about you. If you make it about you and your love for God. But if salvation is about God exalting his son because he loves the son, you can't mess it up. Hear this. The teaching that God loves his church, and yet some of those that Christ died for end up getting lost, is false. And it's Christ dishonoring. And it's God dishonoring. God's love for his elect is not the scratch my back and I will scratch yours type of love. People don't understand the love of God and the basis of it. They base the love of God on themselves. So they are thinking God has this big refrigerator in heaven and he has their names on it. The love of God is in himself and for his son. It is an electing love. An everlasting love. I did not go and buy a new car for every woman there is on the street. I bought just one car for the one that I love. So the love of God is an electing love. It's a distinguishing love. It's and everlasting and immutable love because it is all about his son. And we need to know this because the gospel and salvation are being presented to us in many churches and by many preachers as something that is random that does not have any particular design, purpose, and people in mind. But the Lord Jesus Christ is going to tell us that salvation has its purpose and foundation from eternity. And that he has come or came to establish and complete that eternal purpose of God in himself. And that is to bring all his people to himself. And so God the Father designed to honor his son by giving him a people wrote down their names in the Lamb's book of life before he created anything. But these people could not come into the possession of the son outside him paying a redemption price for them. The redemption price to be found in Christ can only be given by one who is God. And that's salvation. If Christ paid that redemption price, that's when your salvation was accomplished. Done. You have nothing to add to that. You can't bring yourself into the love of God. God is the one who brought you into his love for his son. So Christ was given a possession that he could not possess outside him coming and paying for their redemption. These people were his from the beginning by God's election, but now they are his by the shedding of his blood. He has to purchase them by his blood. And that's the teaching in the book of Acts, that the church that he purchased... By his own blood. So the transaction. On the cross. Is where all things. Were transferred. Into the legal authority. Of the son. There's a whole lot more. Going on on the cross. The Lord would say. After the resurrection. The great commission. All power and authority. In heaven. And earth have been given to me in the light of what has transpired on the cross. So in Christ Jesus, God was summing up according to Ephesians 1.10, God was heading up all things in heaven on earth and underneath the earth. And the Apostle Paul would say in Christ Jesus, all things consist. All things. The Father loves the Son and has granted Him power to give life to as many as He wishes. And in the high priestly prayer in John 17, verses 1 to 2, He prayed thus Father, the hour has come, that's the hour of the cross. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And so the son, as he was going on the cross, his understanding was he had a particular people that the father had given him and he was going to make that transaction that would bring all his people to himself and these were not random people but in his own words he said there are as many as have been given him as many as has as has been given him so jesus came to redeem those that the father gave him and no more and not everybody who ever lived. Because hell has some people. It's going to have some people. And there's nobody that Christ paid for on the cross who is going to go to hell. It's nobody. For all those that the father gave to Christ are going to be where the son is. Because he prayed and said, I would like all these that you gave to me to come and behold of the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. So the purpose of you coming to Christ is so that you can come and see the glory of the Son of God. And this has to be something very glorious. (laughs) If it takes the Son of God to come down here to perform a work, to say, okay, I need them to come check out my house. I need them to come check out where I live. You see those shows on TV. Have big houses where you can go and just enjoy the splendor of what other people are doing. And Christ says, no, 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 you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> wait till you come and behold of my own glory that I had with the Father before the foundation of the world. Just wait for that day. So these people that Christ came to redeem were not random people. They were not random people. He came to redeem very particular people. Those that the Father gave him. And when he finished that transaction, according to Jesus' understanding, he actually completed Whatever God required for them to come into God's blessing. And that is why he said it is finished. The transaction is finished. The transfer of ownership of those that the father gave me has been accomplished. Because I paid for their ransom price. And we know... That the transaction was ratified by the Father as completed by the resurrection of Christ. How do we know that Christ actually accomplished your salvation? Because God raised him from the dead. As long as Christ remains in the grave, as long as there is one sin that is not paid for, Christ cannot rise. Understand that? as long as there's any particular sin that you who belong to Christ who ever do or ever did if that one sin is not paid for for any of the many people that God gave to Christ if that is not paid for Christ is not resurrecting because sin requires that you remain dead but Because Christ was raised, it means he fully paid for everything that God required for salvation. So when we are talking about the gospel, we can't look at you and say you complete this work of salvation because you don't even know what needs to be done for salvation. You are completely oblivious to what kind of work is required for your redemption. But Christ knew. And when he finished the work, he said, it's done. And because of that, that's the gospel that we preach. And that's your hope. Because things are going to fall apart. (laughs) Right? Things are going to fall apart. Your health is going to fall apart. Your money is going to run out. What do you have? When you die, you die by yourself. There may be people in the place where you're dying, but the reality is you're still dying by yourself. Who's going to be there? You need this one. Who says it's finished? Christ. So what we are saying is. Your salvation was completed. On the cross. And not. On the day that you were baptized. And not on the day. Of the altar call. And not on the day. That we may have put in our Bible. But this is a, This is what has happened. Over the course of time. In time, the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates you so that you may know that there's more to you than you ever knew. The Holy Spirit gives you a new birth and says, you are not your own. You are someone else's possession. And this Jesus has already made full payment And satisfaction. And God already accepted it. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to his people. It's not for speaking in tongues. It's for calling God's people to Christ. And telling them that they belong to Christ. And Christ already accomplished all the work that is required for their salvation. And so when the Lord came and was walking in leather, He came on a very specific mission which was the salvation of those that the Father gave to him. And so in our text, we are going to see the development and expansion of this theology that the Holy Spirit has been teaching us. And that was introduction. Because we haven't started looking at any of the verses. This is very important. If you pay attention to the theology that we are teaching, we touch every aspect of the doctrines of God and weave them together. And it's necessary. It's necessary that we do that. So, hear this. In verse 36, we go to verse 36 of John 6. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. The Lord said to the Jews, You have seen me, the Messiah, the Son of God. Jehovah's messenger, the messenger of the new covenant of grace, and yet you do not believe. And what was the Lord saying? He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They were his own because he created them. And that they were Jews, as the Lord was also a Jew. But they were not his own because God the Father had not chosen and given them to him as he is going to tell them later that they are of their father, the devil. They could not receive Jesus because they were fleshly. And Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. The flesh. Prophets nothing. They needed to be born again. They could not receive him because they were born into the wilderness of sin. They were born into this world, the fallen world. And any who are born in this fallen world are born dead in trespasses and sins. And thus they need to be given a different kind of bread and a different kind of water. A bread whose origin is outside this condemned world. A bread that is from heaven. A bread from God. A bread that gives life and never spoils. A bread that is the living bread. And Jesus Christ is that bread. And that is metaphorical language, is figurative language to say Jesus Christ is the all sufficient provision in all things pertaining to life and salvation. But the Jews, as expected, had a misunderstanding of what Jesus was saying. They saw Jesus as an extraordinary man, but the assessment of him does not rise above that of a rabbi. Even when they called him Lord, they did not mean it. They were thinking, we could make use of this man to provide free loaves of bread, and we can make him king so that he can deal with our enemies, the Romans. So they tried to redefine his mission. But Christ has come on a very specific mission. A mission that he has been given by his father. So the Jews do not believe him. And a lot of people would say they had natural ability to believe in Jesus. And that Jesus was available for anybody and everybody to believe on. If they just exercised their free will. But the Lord says, no, that's not true. Your will has nothing to do with salvation. Here is the reason why you can't believe. So the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he says, this is the reason why people believe and the reason why they don't believe. Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. All those that the Father gave to Christ will come to him, that is, will believe in him. And I need you to pay attention to what is being said. We have a set of people. We have a universal set in that statement. We have a universal set of people, a very specific number of people that the Father gave to Christ. And these are the ones that the father gave to the son and will come to the son. It is going to happen that they will come to him. They will come to the son. And so the Lord becomes predestinarian here in his teaching. He says the reason why you are not believing, is because the Father never gave you to me. The Lord invokes the doctrine that is hated by many professing Christians. And that's God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty is the one single doctrine that is hated by, unfortunately, professing Christians. And yet, that is the Only doctrine that will give you understanding of what is happening everywhere in the created universe. The Lord tells them about God's election of certain people and He tells them about God's sovereignty over the entire process of coming to Christ. He says, The Father has chosen a people from eternity. And given them to me. And these will surely come to me. And you who are not believing in me. It is not because of your free will. God's sovereignty. Overrides your decision. For or against Christ. If the father did not choose you. And gave you to me. You are not coming. So the reason why you have seen me but do not believe is because God did not choose you. Because if he did, he would make sure that you would come to Christ. What is the Lord saying? He is preaching to them sovereign grace gospel. He is preaching salvation by grace alone. He is preaching salvation. Total inability, unconditional election, irresistible grace, perseverance, and preservation of the saints. But hear this These that the Father gave to Christ will come to Him, and when and not if. These that the Father gave to Christ will come to Him, but when they come to Him, He will no ways cast them out. So the Lord Jesus moves from the universal set of the elect and says, When these individuals come to me one by one, I will no way cast them out. Which means I will never lose them. I will receive them to myself. And by this statement the Lord also affirms the security of those that the Father gave to him. The Lord says, he will keep all those that the Father gave to him. He will keep all those that the Father gave to him. And so, those that come to the Son, only do so because they already belong to him. need to Work some understanding. But the teaching in the church world right now is that you belong to Christ when you come to Him. But that's not Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching is opposite. Jesus says, You belong to me already. That's why you come. That's why you come. That's here. So, those that come to the Son. Only do so because they already belong to him. They were given to him before he came to redeem them. Just as Job's friends were Job's friends before he redeemed them in Job 42. Listen to this. If you still remember the story of Job. Job offered a sacrifice for his friends according to God's commandment, because their theology about God and what had happened to Job was bad. They were accusing Job of bringing all this calamity upon himself because he had not been taking care of the orphans and the widows. And the Lord God shows up and he says, no, 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 no. Job's friends, you are so in trouble because you did not say that which is right about me like my servant Job did. So the Lord comes and he says, something has to be done for you or else I'll kill you. So the book of Job records for us then in Job 42, 7 to 9 and says, It came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphas the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job will pray for you, for I will accept him. So that I may not do with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Nemethite went and did as the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job. So you see Job was a type of Christ. Which means He figured, he prefigured or foreshadowed the relationship that Christ has with his own people and the work that was required for his people to be justified before God. And so Job's friends were his friends. Even with their bad theology, they were still Job's friends. And even after he had finished making a payment for them by way of sacrifice, they were still Job's friends. So that's exactly the same theology that Jesus brings and says, you were already mine by God's election. Whether you knew it or not, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you. You belong to me, and now I've come to make that sacrifice that will establish the correct relationship that you need to have with God. So the Lord now gives us the reason for his mission from the book of John and says, in verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So the son came down from heaven, and not just from Mary's womb, to do the will of the father. The son pre-existed his coming in the flesh. The son is the Logos. The word of God who was in the beginning with God. And he comes as the mediator of all of God's works. And salvation is that work of God that also requires the appearing of the Son in the flesh. But what is the will of the Father Jesus? Because Jesus says, I came to do the will of my Father. What is the will of the Father? Verse 9. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. So the will of the Father is the decree of God the Father. And the will of the Father is that of all those that he has given to the Son, the Son will lose nothing. That's the will of the Father. Now we have to ask this question. What is the chance that these who have been given to the Son will be lost? What is the chance that this will of the Father will fail? What is the chance? If that's the will of God the Father who sits on the throne, what chance is there that you, by your own will, are going to mess it up? Most people don't ask these questions. Listen to this. These are the words of the Lord from John 10, 25 to 30. He was talking to the Jews and he says, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. You do not believe because you are not exercising your free will. Jesus does not say that. He says the reason why you do not believe is because you don't belong to him already. Listen to this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who he has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. So those that the father gave to the son will never, according to Jesus, will never ever, that is emphatic language, will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of his hand. That is not to say they will not try. They will try, but they will not succeed. And you can try to snatch yourself from Christ, but you will not succeed. Why? Because the Father who gave you to Christ is greater than all, and he has his almighty hand on all those he has given to the Son. And so the elect are both in the almighty hands of the Father, and the son. And that friends is real. And unshakable security. And this is as safe as one could ever be. You can't be any safer than this. But in your silliness. You will try to unglue yourself. From the father and the son. And pull a Jonah. And run to Tashish. And guess what is going to happen. The Lord God will take you back. He will get you back. He will discipline you. And it is going to be painful. He will take things away from you. Because Christ, I need to pay attention to what I'm going to say. But this is important in theology. It's one of the things that is not understood in the modern evangelical church. Because when bad things are happening, that is attributed to the devil. Or the devil, this the devil is a liar. We are rebuking the devil. No, it's not the devil. It's the Lord God himself doing it. Listen to this. If you belong to Christ, you don't mess with Christ. You need to understand that. He will take things away from you. The most dearest things that you hold to, he will take them away. Okay? Why? Because Christ will lose None of his sheep because of their foolishness. If you belong to Christ, try not to care about his things. And just wait and see what he will do. Wait and see what he will do. And he knows how to hit the hardest spots of your life. He knows. And the most painful spots of your life. Because the salvation of your soul is too important to him. There is a huge price tag on your soul. His own life paid for you. And if the son would lose any of his sheep, any of those that the father gave to him, it would come at a great and horrible dishonor to both the son and the father. This is an issue of glory. The Father's will would have failed. And the Son's work would have failed. But the Lord Jesus Christ says, no, it's not going to happen. The will of the Father is a sovereign will. And he will accomplish it. And if it means he will lay you down in the ICU for two months. Six months, the whole year, that's what he's going to do. And he will do it. And I'm telling you the honest truth. He will do it. There's no fail-safe plan or backup plan to salvation. This is plan A. This is how it's going to be done. And it has to succeed. And if it means on the part of Christ, obedience to the point of death on the cross, that is what it is going to take. And that is what happened. If Christ died to save you, he is willing to take everything away from you so that you too can learn obedience by the things that you suffer. That's biblical teaching. If the son cannot lose any of those whom the father gave to him, what is that saying? It is saying salvation cannot be lost. It is saying Salvation is primarily not about the sheep, because we have made it about the sheep. Salvation is the sole responsibility of the shepherd. You got to hear that. He can't lose any of the sheep that the Father gave to him. Salvation is about the will and work of God and the glory of the Son. And if the son fails to bring one of his sheep back to the father, he is a miserable shepherd and a hireling. But Jesus says, I am not a hireling. I am the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And if he lays down his life for the sheep, it means the sheep are spared Destruction, not by their bleating and warning of wolves, but by the faithfulness of the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives his life in exchange for the life of the sheep, and that is the transaction that he has come to finish and perfect on the cross as he is speaking to the Jews. This good shepherd will leave the 99 and go look for the one that is lost and bring them all back into the one fold. What are we saying? We are saying salvation is not yours to accomplish and is not yours to keep because you can't. If God would leave you to keep your salvation, you will be gone by the end. Of this sermon. If he left it to you. To keep it. Sister Dacel. You won't be able to keep it. To the end of this day. I will tell you that. Honestly. He has to keep it for you. He is a good shepherd. There are bigger stakes to your salvation. Than you giving up meat for land. Okay. It is way bigger. Way bigger. That is just foolishness. Listen to this. There's more to your salvation than you doing all the silliness that men are coming up with in the name of Jesus. The glory and name of the Son is at stake here, my brothers and sisters. So he and the Father, for the sake of their name, will preserve all that the Father gives him and not a hair is lost from their heads. Verse 40. And you know we're getting close to finishing by the number of vests that we're on. So we're getting close. For this is the will of my Father. You, you appreciate this when you go online and you start listening to the messages. But when you're sitting here, it feels like, oh, it's too long. When you really want to learn about Christ, God is his messages. But We explain things in a way that is helpful. But the time is coming when you shall really need to know these things. And as I always like to say, the best weapons of war are made during peace times. Okay. So be sharpening your weapons. For we war not against flesh and blood. The Lord says, for this is the will of my Father. That everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. So now this gets better because it is also the will of the Father that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. So you see, you need to have eternal life. The world thinks that. Death is a natural process of life. You just die and you become worm food. End of story. And then once in a while, people bring flowers to remember you. That is their understanding of life and death. No, that's not true. Jesus says you need eternal life. And this is how you're going to get it. You look at him. You look at him. You believe on him. And you have eternal life. You see what Jesus did not say. He did not say go and do this. He did not say go and get baptized. He did not say go and give all your money. You may read the Bible and find instances where. Like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. Asking Jesus and saying. Good teacher what shall I do to have eternal life. And Jesus says go sell. What do you have and then come follow me. And a lot of people draw from it that Jesus is saying, Oh, you have to sell your things for you to be saved. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was telling him that he could not rest his confidence in the things that he had. He had to come to him. The problem was not the stuff. The stuff was only getting in the way of him coming to the one who actually serves. So Jesus says, Okay, let me unglue you from what you are holding your hope. And he says, No, no, no. He went away so sad was crying. That's too hard, Jesus. <laughs> but listen to this. Verse 40 is a replay of John 3, 14 to 15. Verse 40 says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And in John three fourteen to 15, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life so the lord tells us again that eternal life for those that belong to him is not a matter of doing but of looking and seeing Those who looked at the bronze serpent, if you still remember the story of the bronze serpent in Numbers 21, those who had been beaten by the fiery serpents and were dying, how did they live? They looked at the bronze serpent that Moses had raised up. Just looking. They didn't do anything. And Jesus comes and says, That is me. And this is how you get saved. You come to me. And you stand on me alone as your hope of salvation. As your only hope of acceptance by God. That is what looking to Christ means. So those who put their confidence in Christ alone for salvation will live. So the beholding of the son is not just to say some true things about him. But it is To lay one's hope of salvation, of eternal life, on Christ alone. And that's good news. It's good news because you can look at Christ even in the last minute of your life and still be saved. Good news. You can't be good enough. You can look at Christ even when you lose your mind. We are involved With the nursing home, it used to be emeritus, now it's Brookdale. We see people over the years, they come, two months later, you start seeing their mind just going gone. What is their hope? If salvation was dependent on their own running and their own effort, how are they going to make it to the end? And God will say, okay, very good. Now you can come into my blessedness. It's not going to happen. Their only hope is in that. God already accepted them in Christ Jesus. And that's your hope too. Because we don't know how things are going to be 20 years from now, 30 years from now. You can get hit by a car and you lose your mind. Okay? So this gospel has security. If anyone is teaching you a gospel that does not have security, then they're not teaching you the gospel according to Jesus. A gospel that says you have to complete it is not a gospel that saves. You can't complete it. Even by faith, your faith is not perfect. Is it 100% perfect? Because you see, God requires perfection for you to be saved. So if you need to add your faith to be saved, guess what? You're still in trouble because your faith isn't 100%. But if Christ is 100%, God gives you faith to say, Christ already accomplished it. That's the purpose of faith. To say you belong to him and he accomplished the work of his salvation. That is true, saving faith. And that is what it means to look to Christ. So it is the will of God the Father that you possess eternal life and that Jesus resurrects you at the end of the ages. Jesus is going to resurrect you at the end of the ages. So the work of salvation is this way. It is saying your salvation was accomplished. But you need more than that. Because a time is coming when God is going to resurrect all men. And there are two types of resurrections, as you know. We have the resurrection of the saints, those who died in Christ. And according to Jesus... That resurrection is necessary to keep God's promise of bringing you in your fullness to him. So Jesus says, not only have I paid for their sins now, but I have also committed to raise them at the end of the ages. And that is how secure you are. And God knows you. Even if you get eaten by a shark, God knows how to get you out. He'll bring you to himself. And I have to say, Good theology, real theology, is practical theology. You may wonder, okay, you have loved ones who were Christians, who died. When are we going to meet? How are things going to be? Your only hope of ever having anything restored is in Christ. He alone is able to make that happen. Nobody else. And he has promised that if you are in him, any of your friends, your relatives... Your children who are in Christ who never get lost. That's good news. That's very good news. But in Jesus saying this, he is also claiming deity. Because the resurrection of the dead is only the work of God. And the Jews know that. It's God who alone is able to resurrect anybody. So Jesus is claiming that he is God. And the Jews are hearing all these high claims by Jesus. They know what he is saying and they are not amused by it. They are not amused. So they say, listen to verse 41, 41 and 42. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? So the Jews are not happy. They are not amused by Jesus' personal claims. This had also happened before in John chapter 5, if you remember, where the Lord had claimed equality with the Father. Jesus said, my Father is working until now, and I myself am working. And the Jews did what? They wanted to stone him. They were seeking all the more to kill him. And so the Jews had to explain away Jesus' claim of deity. And if they can do that successfully and throw away Jesus' arguments as lunacy, then they are good. And a lot of people will say that. If you come and profess the truth about Christ, the religious people, Will try to explain things away. They will try. To make you look bad. So that they will feel good themselves. So the Jews were not impressed. By Jesus claim. That he is the bread that came down. Out of heaven. That can't be true Jesus. For we know you. You are from our neighborhood. We know your father. We know your mother. Your father is Joseph. And we know your brothers and sisters. How come. You claim to have come out of heaven. What is the point? The point is that they did not know Jesus. In spite of having called him rabbi and lord. They did not know what they were saying. And there are many people in our own day. Who are saying many things about Jesus. But do not know what they are talking about. If you get the identity Of Jesus Christ wrong. You also get everything about his work wrong. Those who say Jesus is the son of God. But deny that he finished the work of salvation of his people. Are not different from those that were saying to Jesus. We know him. He is from our neighborhood. (laughs) Jesus said. My work is finished. But sinners come and say, no, we have to finish it ourselves. Jesus says, those that the Father gave to him will not be lost because it is the Father's sovereign will that they be preserved. But sinners come and say, no, we can lose our salvation. If you don't tithe, you lose your salvation. And as I said, of course, if you save yourself, you can lose your salvation. But not if God saved you. So the father backs up his will of salvation. These are things that are not being explained. And it's going to take a little bit longer. It always happens. When you have visitors, I'm not the one who does it actually. You say a statement and you realize that you have to say more beyond what you thought you were going to say. And then you keep saying. And then you realize, oh wow, I've been talking for an extra five minutes. But it's the Lord's doing it's important that we understand the work of salvation and the different pieces and how they are connected to one another because this is what frees you. You cannot have peace if you don't understand the work of Christ. That's the point. Okay, We are getting close. The father backs up his will of salvation of his people by his omnipotent power. He says... No one can snatch his people out of his hands. No one. And yet people will come and say, Oh no, it's possible for those whom Christ died for to be snatched away from him and the Father. So what do you do? We have to conform you to our own programs, to our own standards. So you go to different churches. They have their own things that you have to be doing there. Which things the Lord does not command. But they have made their list of rules that prove that you are saved. Rules that are supposed to help you to remain saved. Otherwise, if you don't do those rules, you are lost. And if you leave that church You go and join another body with a different set of rules. So who actually has the right rules for you? Who has them? How are you to know that you are at the right church that has the right rules for your salvation? That's the issue. There's no freedom. There's no peace for you unless you rest in what God actually says about salvation. And that is to say... Christ accomplished salvation, and you can never be lost. And let them do their rules. Let them do their programs. You hold to Christ. Look to Christ. Okay? So the Jews come to Jesus, and their assessment of Jesus was Jesus, you are so full of yourself. We know you, we are from the same neighborhood. You can't be saying what you're saying. It can't be true. It can't be true. But this is a problem. They don't know who Jesus is. Because Jesus is a spiritual being. Jesus is God. And he cannot be known outside God revealing him to you. In the book of Isaiah, we are told about how Jesus looked like. He had no state or form or beauty that we should be attracted to him. That's Jesus. He is not, if you were to see Jesus walking in Nazareth or in Jerusalem, he was not your typical Hollywood person. He was just an ordinary person. Ordinary looking person. Why? Because God purposed for you to come to him not by the physical attraction to Jesus, but by revelation. Because all the works of God are by revelation. Listen to this. This is what the Lord said in Luke ten twenty two. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So if you know Jesus and believe in him and believe in his words, it is only because God revealed him to you or else you would remain in your darkness until you dropped dead into hell. So people would say, so why are people saved and why are other people not saved? Jesus does not have any difficulty explaining. The apostles never had any difficulty in explaining that. And they never apologized for it. They said because God chose them and he reveals Christ to them and he doesn't do that with others. And that is not in the church anymore. It's not being taught in the church anymore. So to that the Lord would say, seeing and perceiving what the Jews were saying to themselves. He said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I'll raise him up on the last day. No one. No one can come to me. And that is the title of our sermon. No one can come to me. Absolutely no one can come to Christ. Unless what? Unless the father who sent Christ draws that person to Christ. So who are these who are drawn to Christ. It is the sheep. It is only sheep that believe. It is only those that the father gave to the son. Who are drawn to the son. And if you are being drawn to the son. It means it's God who is doing it. It's taught me. I could never explain this gospel well enough. To make Jesus attractive to you. Never. It cannot happen. If you have an inkling towards hearing the words of Jesus, it's not me. And it's not you. It's God. God is doing it. It's that personal. So you do not believe so that you can belong to Jesus. You believe because you already belong to him. And because you belong to him, the father draws you. He draws all his ship to Christ. You see, you see where the Father is pointing? The Father draws you to the Son. The Spirit draws you to the Son. It's about the Son. It's about the Son. So do you want to know that a church is really a church and actually has the Holy Spirit? You hear what they are saying about the Son. Is the Spirit drawing them to the Son? If the Father is drawing, he draws to the Son. And if the son is drawing, he draws to himself. He is the sender. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right in the middle. On the cross, right in the middle. Judgment, right in the middle. Life, Christ, death. It's the son. And if you read the Bible, it's always creation through the son. He's always the mediator of all the things of God. Listen to this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one. Absolutely no one can come to the Son unless the Father elected that person and draws that person to Christ and that leaves God in 100% control of who gets saved and who does not. And of course, and rightly so, This drives people nuts. People don't want this. It's sovereign election, my brothers and sisters. This doctrine is headed by people, and yet it's the doctrine that's supposed to make you happy who are in Christ. I'm not talking about sovereignty and election because I love sovereignty and election. I'm talking about it because this chapter is a very long chapter. Chapter 6. John chapter 6 is long. And guess what? The subject is God's sovereignty. And Jesus is going to keep pushing into John seven, into John eight, into John nine, and he is going to continue to argue the same theology. into John 10, you are not my sheep. He is going to continue to argue that He is the sovereign one. Salvation is about God's sovereignty, and that you are nothing. And because you are nothing, the only way that you can have a standing before him is by grace. And if grace has come your way, you are the most blessed. Because he did not have to do it. And there's nothing that God ever loses from sending anybody to hell. He never loses anything. And those of us who know Christ, who believe these words, we are the ones who are supposed to be glorying. In this, we are supposed to glory in the fact that salvation is totally in the hands of God and not man. Because if you were dependent on man, if I get mad at you, guess what? <laughs> you are going to hell. I'm throwing you. And I'm telling you, if salvation was dependent on us, we would have thrown way too many people to hell. In, a, in the course of our life, the people that we don't like, from work, relatives, friends, <laughs> We who would have thrown them to hell, and praise the Lord, salvation is only in the hands of the Lord. Because salvation is supposed to exalt God and not man. And any understanding that exalts man is false by default. Whatever understanding of salvation that makes salvation dependent on what men do is false by default. So this is where we are. Apostle Paul teaches the same doctrine of God's sovereignty and says salvation is 100% in the hands of God. He said in Romans 9, 16, it is not of him who wills. So salvation is not in your will. And yet we actually have churches that are called free will Baptist churches. And that is so against what? Apostle Paul said, and so against what John teaches in John 13. It is not of him who wills or runs. Which means it's not of your effort, but of God who shows mercy. Salvation is not in the will or desire of man, and it is not in the effort of man. Rather, it only depends on God who shows mercy. And that is sovereign election. And if it depends on sovereign election, then salvation is 100% of grace, which means you can't end it. You can't end your salvation. And if you can't end it, you can't mess it up. If you can't end it, you can't mess it up. Because it does not depend on your keeping and maintaining it. And if you feel like loving Jesus and this gospel, You feel like reading the word and praying. It is not you. That is him who is working in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. Left to yourself, you will not look for Christ. There's no man who wakes up and says, oh, my life is so good. I think I'm going to look for Jesus. Or my life is so bad right now. Let me look for Jesus. There's no man who ever does that by themselves. If you do that, it's him who is drawing. He is bringing you to himself. And that gospel is what we call sovereign grace gospel. And that's what we are teaching here at Berean sovereign grace gospel. That is what we preach. That is what we teach. And that is what we believe. For there is no other gospel than this. The gospel of works plus Jesus is a false gospel. The gospel of making Jesus Lord and Savior is a false gospel. God the Father already made Jesus Lord and Christ. Sinners do not make Jesus anything. They receive grace through Jesus Christ. So the proper way to talk is I received grace from Jesus, not I made Jesus into something. The gospel that says salvation is dependent on the sinner is a false gospel because according to Jesus, salvation is not dependent on man, but is dependent on him and the father. So the son says, there's not anybody who has ability To come to him or receive him unless the father does some work in them. The father has to draw a person to Christ. The father has to irresistibly draw those that he gave to the son to come to the son. Let me tell you a few things about the drawing. The Greek word that is translated draw was the same one used for drawing fish out of the water. Okay. Like when the disciples cast their nets into the water after the Lord's resurrection. Let's hear from John 21, 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. So the word there that is translated drew or draw literally means to drag off, to pull by force. While something is resisting, like a fish that is coming out of the water, you're pulling it and it's trying to pull back in the water. Or was also used for the attraction that you'd have with magnets. Okay? Just like, psh, like magnets. But figuratively, the word means to impel, to draw by an inward power. To draw or lead by an inward power. So God the Father, the almighty God, is the one who draws us by his power. He has to pull us. He has to impel us and lead us to Christ. So we need the Father to come and catch us. (laughs) Put us in his net. And then drag us to Christ. And some of you came kicking And screaming, but you could not break out of the net. You see, the fish, the fish, the net was so full, but the net was not broken. And that was a type of salvation, security of salvation. But this is how the father did it. And that is our last verse. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has had and led from the Father comes to me so the lord reaches for isaiah 54 verse 13 which says all your sons will be taught of the lord and the well-being of your sons will be great so what was the lord saying in the context of everything that we are talking about it was saying all sinners by default are ignorant of god and christ unless god teaches them The Jews did not receive Jesus because they have not been taught of God. And those in our time that are not saved do not receive Jesus because they have not been taught of God. We do not know who belongs to the Lord. We do not know. We can't make a judgment and say that person does not belong to the Lord. Even if they are not saved. We can't make that judgment. But this is what we know. All that belong to him will come to him at some point. And the father shall teach them. So you could have been in church. I grew up in church. Born, raised in the church. Baptized, 1988. I have my certificate. But I didn't come to Christ until 2008. That's when I was born again. That's when grace came to me and I received grace. So it can actually happen it has happened way too many people that they grow up in church and they think they are saved and then later realize that they were not saved. Why? Because they had been taught a false gospel and they believed on a false Christ and Until you believe the true gospel. You may go to church all you want. You are still yet to be taught of God. Because when you are taught of God. Your song is going to be amazing grace. Amazing grace. And this is why I said you cannot understand anything unless the Lord teaches you. The Lord has to teach you. The problem is not me. It is what the Lord determines to give you for understanding. And that again is a statement of God's sovereignty to say they shall be all taught of God. And so if they are taught of God, the natural outcome of that is they have to go to Christ. But not all go to Christ. Which means God does not teach all. Right? So what that is saying is God is in control of what you understand and do not understand about Christ. He doesn't give it to all. And it is saying all those people who are deceived about Jesus and the gospel cannot come out of their deception unless God brings them out and drags them out of it. They are not going to come out of Joel Austin's church. God has to do the work. You can try to convince them. They think you are so bad, or you just hate them. Oh, how can all those people be wrong? Because they are wrong, <laughs> and how do we know? Because they're preaching false gospel. They come to him, all those that the Father gave to the Son. They come to him because the Father wills for them to come to him. The Father teaches them. And everyone who has heard and learned from the Father will come to Christ. And when they come to Christ, what do they come to Christ to do? To make the same confession about Christ. To say the same things as the Father is saying about the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased is to make the same confession as God is saying about the person of Christ and the work of Christ. And as I always say, confession does not mean to come and tell me your sins. Confession means, the Greek word is homologia. It means to say the same words as someone. So when you make a confession of Christ, you are making the same confession as God is saying about Christ. That Christ is the Messiah and Christ accomplishes redemption. And that is confession. Okay. Always learning things. Listen to this. So you're making the confession about knowing the person of Jesus Christ. And in a lot of our church environment, there are people who are downplaying the knowledge of Christ to say, you have to be doing things. But Jesus said, knowing Christ is eternal life. This is eternal life that you may know God, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life. Okay. Having said everything that we've said, this is what you need to know. You can't know Christ by doing. You can't be saved by doing anything. Christ has to be revealed to you, and he has to be taught to you by God. But if you have learned and have been taught of the Father, you will 100% come to Christ. You will not be lost. There are no human grounds of salvation. There's no human grounds of salvation. 100% of salvation is the work of God alone. And if you're speaking the same words as God and as Jesus, this has to be your understanding. And if you understand what the Lord is saying, can you say, Thank you, Father, for teaching me about your son. Thank you, Father, for choosing me in Christ. These are things that Christians don't even pray. Thank you, Father, for drawing me to Christ. Thank you, Father, for preserving me. Thank you, Father, for teaching me the things of Christ and thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. You are not the one who is receiving Christ. Christ is the one who is receiving you. Jesus is not knocking on your door and he can't. You know the teaching. Jesus is not waiting, knocking for you to open your door. He will knock it down. And praise the Lord that he knocks it down. Even if he doesn't have a handle. We are not making Jesus Lord and Savior. Jesus is the one who saved you. He justified you. He sanctified you. And he is going to glorify you. The father draws all that he gave to Christ. He draws all of them without fail. You are not going to die. You will not die if you belong to him. Until he has drawn you. You're going to be bulletproof. And the father draws all that he gave to Christ by giving them a new birth. The new creation. Forget your baptism. Your baptism does not bring you to Christ. You need a new birth. Born again by the spirit. Unless Nicodemus you're born again, you will no way see the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus Christ is the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Forget your sprinkling. Very important. I'm, I'm serious. Forget all that nonsense. Hold to the confession of the person of Christ and what he has done. God does not get obligated to save anyone because of some human tradition. But only save those that he gave to the son. And these he will get no matter what they do. He will knock them down chase them down, drag them, teach them and bring them to Christ and be cleansed of all their evil conscience. So what did the Lord say? No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. And as it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Amen. Amen. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before the throne as those whom you gave to Christ. As those whom Christ redeemed by his own blood, by his own faithfulness. Because this was about him. This was about your will. Your eternal will that we should not be lost but be brought to your holy presence by the faithfulness of your son, the good shepherd who keeps all his sheep and will give them a glorious resurrection at the end of the ages as he has already resurrected us spiritually by the working of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you Work your work in the hearts of your people and grant them the knowledge of Christ. May you teach them. May you cause them to learn from you. Because the promise is all those that hear from you always come to Christ. And they could never be in a better place than to be in Christ. And now, Lord, I pray for all those whom you have brought here today that you will send your blessing upon them. You know their needs. You know their struggles. Lord, we pray for provision in all things. Those who have physical ailments, Lord, may you remember them for the sake of your son. We pray for all those who were not able to make it here today for one reason or another. Our prayer is you gather them again that they may come and fellowship and learn from you through the teaching of your gospel. Our Lord, we praise you and thank you for blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.